0: Well, today we're going to talk about uh, taming the tongue. Uh, It's—I it, don't blame Thomas for passing this on. <laughs> it's a very difficult uh, passage, but uh, what you need to understand is when this was written, the church was new. It was the church, Christian church, was in its baby stage, infancy. And people at that time, like, much like us today, we have our opinions and we share them at times. But it got so bad to the point to where the church was starting to fall away. <clears throat> so James had it laid on his heart by the Lord to come up with this, this message to the people. So let's look at it. I'm not saying we have a problem like this, I'm saying they had the problem, but let's look at their problem and learn from it, okay? So, if you would, I don't have the clicker thing, so I can't do the screen, but it's the third chapter of James. It starts out by saying, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know. That we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take a ship as an example. Although there are, they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what the great what a great forest is set on fire by a small small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself sets on fire by hell. Let's stop right there. What Thomas is saying is, Very harsh. I think we would all to agree. But I'm hoping that he presented in a manner of love. You see, pastors have a responsibility. All pastors are supposed to have a responsibility. Some people would not even touch this. This is no way to preach and to grow a church, is it? They don't want to hear this. They don't want to be beaten down. So pastors nowadays seem to kind of get away from saying things that sometimes needs to be said. But what what James is saying here to his group is it is so important for us to realize that we have the unique ability... To praise God or to tear him down. Now when you look at that and you think about that, you also have to look at what you say. You have the ability to share the good news with someone who has no clue about a God that loves them. But as soon as you do that, trouble follows you in the the form of, let's say, someone pulls out in front of you and you just about hit them. For some of us guys, we probably have a word right on our tongue to say, you, 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 but we may not. Women may do it too, I don't know. There's things in life that this kind of set us off at times. Sometimes we have the desire to tell a person what we think. If you're in business, you're supposed to put the customer first. You're supposed to always be presenting yourself in the business with a smile. But you smile while somebody is constantly tearing you down and you want to retaliate, you want to say or represent or give your feelings to those people, but you don't. Well, we can all think of things that cause us to fall, to falter. The point is this, in the Church of God, 40 years ago, we used to sing a song, Be an Overcomer. It's still in your hymnal. I looked it up a while ago, it's 600 and something, but anyway, Barney Warren, he was a high-pitched tenor singer, he came up with this song. And it tells us to be an overcomer. You know, even though the world stinks, be an overcomer. Be better than that. And I think that's the message that I want to preach and to tell you folks today. When we leave here, I want you feeling better than what you did when you come in here. We're human. We make mistakes. But you know what? Every one of you, including myself, have been made by the hands of God. He's made every one of us. Now, what we've become might have been some of my own making or your own making. But yet, God still is our Father. And he loves us. But in this process that we are in, called life, he knows we're not perfect. (laughs) We make mistakes. We goof up. We say things we shouldn't say. Sometimes we say things in love, but yet someone else might take it the wrong way. We don't realize that, but that happens a lot whenever we're like on a board and we're trying to work things out. I've been a pastor for several years. My last church that I served full-time was in Florida. I had one strike against me when I got there. I was from the north. (laughs) I was from a different culture. You know? In my board meetings, I would say things that they didn't know how to take. I said them because I was trying to spur their thoughts about what we could do to reach out to those who have no clue. People in Florida are a lot like people here in Indiana. They, they know their church is sitting down on such and such boulevard but they they don't frequent it. They they just they know it's always going to be there but they don't want to take the time to come in on Sunday morning and uh, see what's going on. Before I went to Florida I was down at Huron, Indiana. And down at Huron The pastor is, we do everything from making a bulletin to uh, doing what we're really supposed to do. And that is to evangelize and get out in the community. Well, one summer, the church was in, well, it was looking bad. So I got the great idea that we was going to paint the church. So me and I got another kid. He could climb the ladders quicker than I could and stuff. We started painting the church. Well, across the road, there was a house trailer full of little bitty kids, probably 10 years old on down. Unsupervised kids, by the way, this was the summertime, and they was running all over the place, playing in the street and all this stuff. Well, the older one, Kept watching us. And he came over and we struck up a conversation. And what are you doing? I said, Well, we're trying to paint the church to make it look pretty, hoping that maybe you'll want to come. Well, I don't know about that, he said. So he got back on his bicycle. I, I was pressing him a little bit too hard. So he rides off. The next Sunday, From the pulpit, I could see a shadow kept going by the door. And it was that little kid and his sisters riding their bikes in the church lot trying to look in. Our windows were up high, and they couldn't see in the windows, but they wanted to know what was going on in there. Why do you all get together on Sunday mornings? I mean, they didn't have a clue. So I said, hey, guys, I'll tell you what. You come at church time, 10.30. I'll greet you in, sit down, and have church. I'll show you what church is like. So they did. Much to my surprise, four of them showed up. They had never been in church before in their life. So you can imagine, we set them down in a pew. There was people behind them and people in front of them. And as I was preaching, I looked back here, and I kept seeing this. <laughs> you know, you know how kids are. Brothers and sisters are always poking each other and carrying on. Well, that's what was taking place. And I could do nothing but chuckle on the inside. I was so tickled that, that they finally trusted us enough to come in and try to worship. They didn't know how to handle themselves. They didn't know that they're supposed to stand up when we pray or or sing a song or whatever. But they would watch everybody else, and they'd done what everybody else would do. It was really cute. Now comes the kicker of the story. As we was leaving, I heard the conversation from two people saying, Did you see those kids? Yeah, the other person said. You know, they smell like a wet dog. And I thought, oh my goodness, don't be saying that. Unfortunately, the kids heard them. And you know what? They weren't there at church next Sunday. You see, it was just conversation. But those two people thought they got to tell somebody something about what went on. And unfortunately, we lost the chance of four little kids finding out who Jesus is. So they go back to a, their home, a house, a house trailer, where there was a different guy staying every night. There was a different guy. So they, they didn't have a clue who their father was. They wasn't being taught right from wrong. And ladies and gentlemen, that breaks my heart. It's, it just breaks my heart because they're a child of God too, and they don't even know it. But we do know. Now as we get on into the text, it says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a relentless evil full of deadly poison. Verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. All right. So we see that man has the ability to to tame animals. When I was young, I had a pony. My pony would do anything that I told it to do. Just simply by the bridle in his mouth, I could put the ring against his neck and turn him that way or that way, whichever way we wanted to go. I could fall off of that horse and that horse, that pony would just stop so it wouldn't step on me. It, we had a good relationship. I graduated, I got older and bigger, so we had to get a horse. It was opposite. (laughs) It was crazy. A little red horse. And sometimes you pull on the bridle, the reins, to stop it, and it would still go like a freight train. Same deal, same bit, same rider, two different horses. Now, it's obvious we can't go around putting bits in people's mouths. We don't want, as a church, we don't want to put you in a bit to where you won't talk. I'm a pastor who enjoys conversation. I want to hear from the, the congregants about what's going on in their lives. I want to know more and more about you people. We've got to talk. We've got to have conversation. But you say, but pastor, I'm afraid to talk to you because I may use words that you don't use. I may do something that you don't do. I don't care. And I say that in love because I know a God who can change who can change you. When I was a young man before ministry, I used words that I wasn't proud of. I had a big chauve of tobacco in my mouth and I loved my chewing tobacco so much I wouldn't even spit it out of a night time. I'd fall asleep with it in my mouth. It just was a part of me. I had this old preacher guy James Woodward, he started hanging around with me trying to show his side of life. And it wasn't too long until I watched what I said. I gave up chewing tobacco for chewing gum. That's how I kicked that habit. But I've got to give God the praise and glory because it was God who was working in me even before I even knew who he was. He was busy, very active in changing me over, changing me into a person that he could trust to put in a position as a pastor. So what I'm saying is this. I've come from the worst kind of scoundrel scoundrel. and I'm not perfect yet, but it's God who's doing it. There's nothing I could do myself to change me, but I had to say, okay, God, if it's your will, fill me, fill me with your spirit. Enable me, give me the tools that I need to change from the life that I knew to a a life that I had no idea what, what it was like. And I praise God that He has and He still is. This text goes right on into verse 13 saying, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. That word humility is huge, people. People will come up against you. They'll rub you the wrong way. But if you address them, I always address them in humility. Putting that person Before yourself. You'll be amazed at the results. Because God's in that process of humility. He starts breaking down that wall. And he starts preparing each other for what needs to be said. And therefore his will can be accomplished. That's all part of God's wisdom. That's all part of God's plan for us. He says there in verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdoms does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you, env- where you have envy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then it's peace loving, considered, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. You see, it says in verse 18 Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest. Of righteousness. Well. What do you think? Do you need maybe to talk to God about. Some of your hard words. Well it shouldn't be no shame. I think it's part of our wisdom. I think it's showing us that. We're sincere. See, we want the very best for God. We want the very best for Stony Brook. Well, as you go through this this week, you probably won't think too much about taming your tongue. But I can assure you that God is ready and able to help us With everything in our lives. Especially the way we handle ourselves. It's his job through the Holy Spirit to go with us. They won't prevent you or hold you back from doing anything. But only until you open up your mouth and ask The Lord to help you. That gives him the the power to help you. To listen to you. To come to you in your time of need. God's word says whenever you call, I am there with you. That's amazing. That's amazing. But God loves you and me so much that he doesn't want us to be alone. That's why he gives us the comforter. The comforter is the one who helps us to encourage us to, to not say that bad word or to think that bad thought. You know, in my studies, I have found this one thing. Whenever we stand in front of God the Bible says we have to give an account. The Bible actually says we have to give an account for every word that we say. Think about that. But in my studies it's revealed that every word, thought or actions God knows, God sees. We have to be ready to explain. Or we can live a life that is trusting. Even though we're trusting, we still count on his grace. But we'll be in better shape whenever we come before the Lord with his grace rather than our wisdom. So let's pray. Father, it's a privilege to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to look to your word and speak through us. Lord, we just pray that you would be with our tongue. It's a very important tool that we have in our mouths, Lord. It enables us to eat. It enables us to speak. Help us to always be mindful of whose we are. Help us, Lord, to always help our brothers and our sisters. Help us to pick them up, to to say words of encouragement, not words that will keep them beat down, but... There's a lot of hurt in this life, Lord. It's a Christian who's supposed to stand up and, in a loving way, show the way, shed the light and to reach that one lost soul that has no idea who you are. Well, help us as we go through this week, Lord. Give us the words to say. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.